Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA. Where after passing away at a dingy old folks home, a woman walks slowly to St. Peter in the pearly gates. She is so happy as she looks around, feeling very satisfied. She looks at St. Peter, leans over and asks him a question. Peter says, Well, I suppose you're technically correct, but no ma'am, we prefer not to think of this as a gated community. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice on Calvary, and look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us as we speak to your people. Open their minds and hearts and spirits to receive your revelation. We want them to know what's on your mind today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is Be Flexible in God. Hi, Christy. How are you doing? I'm doing really well today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We are living in the most beautiful place on earth. Absolutely. It's so beautiful around here. Sometimes I question whether Walt Disney got it wrong because I think this is the happiest place. <laughs> That's on right. Earth. Round town. Exactly. Exactly. And we are just loving God and thanking Him for His revelation. Mm-hmm. Really, what I live for and what I really, really appreciate about God is that He lets me into his thoughts and he lets me into what he believes and what how he sees things and the clarity that comes in my life is something i really really appreciate and really love to receive because you know before i knew god i remember when i was younger i was just this ardent evolutionist oh and you know i i thought that yes we came from monkeys and and amoebas and i was in the science fiction and all that because that kind of gave kind of a weird perspective of where I was in yeah. the unit, in the universe. And when I came to know God and he started teaching me by his Holy Spirit, he gave me his perspective. He revealed what he thought about things. And that is so much more satisfying than being worried about where you fit. Exactly. It really I is. know where I fit. I, mm-hmm. I fit underneath his wings. Uh-huh. And he protects me. He leads me. He guides me with this loving hand. And it's really a blessing. It really is, yeah. Today we're going to talk about being flexible in God and about how that's important for our Christian lives in these days. What do you think about that, Christy? You know, that reminds me of one time I walked into a restaurant and the person that was greeting us as we walked in, it was a restaurant that had two doors. You walk in one door and then you walk in another door and then you're in the restaurant. He's trying to hold the door open for us and he opens one door and he's holding it open with his foot and he's trying to open the second door so he's leaning over and holding it open. He's almost parallel to the ground in the way he's holding the two doors open so that he can hold it open for us. We walked in and I, I told him, wow, when they said you needed to be flexible to take this job, you thought they were talking about the hours, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But sometimes that's kind of the idea that we get when we think about being flexible. We think about, well, I want to go this way, but the job might require me to do something else. So I've got to be flexible. And in God, we have a tendency to be 
kind of stringent and strict about this is always right, this is always wrong, this is what God wants me to do. And we kind of set up almost like a routine. And Well, I didn't spend my 30 minutes in my devotion, so I don't think God's going to be very happy with me. And I was supposed to witness to three people this week, and I only witnessed to two, and so I really think I'm off. And also, we have plans in our own life that are things that we want to accomplish, and we kind of think we control the stamp of approval of God to put on our lives. Well, being a missionary is something that God thinks is good, so I'll choose that and put God's stamp of approval on it when God may want you to be a company executive and run a company with his power and his authority in his way and make an impact on the world that way. So being flexible in God is basically, I think, just letting go of our own preconceived notions of what God wants, who God is, who we are, what he wants for us, and just living in the present moment, day by day, doing what he wants us to do according to his plan. A lot of times it's really hard to see what God wants us to do or to understand because we don't see the big picture. And we have to understand that the world does not revolve around us, that God loves us very, very much, and he has a very powerful and important thing for each of us to do if we will yield to him. But the important thing that you do is a part of the big picture of the important thing that God is doing. And so we have to just allow him to lead us and do what he wants to do, even if it's not really exactly what we were thinking. I find it's the concept of the big picture that we really don't get. Because it's big. It's God big. And that scale to us makes no sense. And a lot of times, God is getting at something that we are completely unaware of. But we think we are. We think we can see a week or two into the future and that God must be doing this because he's done this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of make our own predestination. We say, well, God wants us to go to this place based on what we know now. Therefore, we're going to give him a hand. Yeah. We're going to help him out. I'll take it from here, God. Yeah. And we're going to make it happen. <laughs> right. Where God didn't want you to go there anyway. He wanted you to go all the way over here. You just didn't see it because the picture he's working from is just too big. And we really can't know it. And he doesn't take time to explain it to us because probably couldn't. We wouldn't understand. And if he had to explain every little thing he was doing, nobody would get anything exactly. done. Exactly. Very time consuming. <laughs> so what we're saying today is be flexible in God. You can say, well, maybe God's doing this, but make sure it's a really firm maybe, not a he's going to do this. I remember I was at some shopping mall and I started talking to this lady and she was a spirit-filled Christian and she started claiming the parking lot for God. Right there in the middle of things to start by faith, going to claim this parking lot for Jesus. And I thought, okay, well, maybe she knows that. <laughs> but it almost seems like she was just hard charging into something that I didn't really feel a witness in my spirit to. But man, she was praying and she was all locked into faith and this was going to happen. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, if God wants it to happen, but does he really want it to happen? And we assume a lot in God. Yeah. Our brain automatically wants to fit things into boxes that make sense to us, that make us feel comfortable. And so when we get busy trying to think, okay, which box is this going to go in yeah. today? And what's going to happen tomorrow? And what's going to happen the next week and the next year? And we build this fantastical construct around a few little things that he said. Mm -hmm. And then when it doesn't happen, our faith takes a hit. Because, yeah. well, I thought, I thought God... No, he wasn't going for that in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, that was your idea, not his. It was his. your idea. Yeah. You, you jumped to those conclusions. And those conclusions didn't really bear out because I wasn't doing it anyway. 
And so the best way to live in God is to be flexible. You can say, maybe he's going to do this based on what I see happening now. But if he doesn't, it's okay because Mm -hmm. he's God and he's got something else in mind. That way we don't lock ourselves into a future that we've determined. Because when we do that, we become inflexible. That's right. We become unwilling to bend to his will, to his desire, to his word. And we prevent the very things that he is going for in our lives that will ultimately be a blessing to us if we allow him to do his thing. Yeah, ultimately is the key word. And we have to remember, God is not a genie in a bottle that works for us, that we can say, wow, I really want a yacht, and so I'm just going to believe and pray and claim, and I'm going to get this yacht. We are servants of the Most High God, and we are privileged to have His Spirit living in us. We are privileged to have Him want us to be a part of what He's doing. So if He lives in us by His Spirit, and He moves through us, and we get to be His hands and His feet and His mouth, and the vessel that He uses to reach this world, what an incredible blessing that is. And the wonderful thing about serving God is He's not a harsh taskmaster, and he loves flowing through us so much that we are blessed. Just the presence of God in our bodies brings amazing blessing. And when we step into a life where he is leading us and we're doing what he wants us to do moment by moment, it is such an incredible blessing to us. It is more satisfying and fulfilling than anything we could come up with in our own minds that we would do. And that works when he's leading us in something good and when he's leading us in something that doesn't seem so good at the moment. When God asked Samuel to go anoint the next king of Israel, I would bet that he was kind of excited. God originally did not want Israel to have an earthly king. He wanted to be their king. He wanted them to live the way that we can live now as spirit-filled believers. Good point. Where we can just call on him every day and say, you are my king. What do you want me to do? And hear him moment by moment and live the life that he wants us to live so he can flow through us on this earth. That's what he wanted for the nation of Israel. But they demanded that they have a king like all the other nations did. They demanded that they have what they could see with their natural minds was good. And when God appointed Saul as the king, he did it according to what the people saw was good. He was a head and shoulders above everyone. He was a good-looking man, seemed like a good king. Well, when Samuel was going to anoint the next king, he probably was a little bit excited that God said, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I've got somebody very specific picked out. So he went to the house of Jesse and said, all right, this is cool. God has a king from one of his sons. I'm going to go pick him out. This is going to be amazing because this is God's thing. He steps into the house and with his natural mind, based on what he had seen with Saul, he looks at the oldest son and says, that's got to be him. He's he's strong. He's big. He's tall. He's good looking. He's got to be the next king. And he went to start anointing him until God said, stop. That's not it. It was something good that God was doing. But what Samuel had in mind was not the complete picture of what God wanted to do. And it took God to say no to all of those boys until he called David from the field and said, yes, this is him. So even if it's something that's good, we can easily just take it into our own hands and think, well, this looks good to me, and I know God's doing this, so this must be it. We put our own natural-minded constructs on it and say, this is what God said he's going to do, and I know how this goes, so I will help him. But the truth is, David was the proper choice because God saw what was in the heart. God didn't look on the outward appearance. He saw what was in the heart. And Samuel couldn't see that unless he listened to the Spirit of God. When he listened to the Spirit of God, he knew, okay, this is it. And he anointed David, and David became a wonderful king. Also, when bad things happen, we tend to blame God or think we've gotten off or think this can't be right. I don't understand what's happening. But look at Joseph in the Old Testament. If he had fought God at every 
difficult situation in his life or resisted what God was doing or had to sit down and say, okay, God, I don't understand. Why am I in this well? This makes no sense. If God said, okay, well, what's going to happen is you're going to be pulled out. You're going to be taken into Egypt. You're going to go through some difficulties. You're going to be in prison for a while. You're going to be falsely accused, but then you're going to become the right hand of Pharaoh. And then when the famine hits in several years, your entire family can come to Egypt because you've done wonderful things to help the nation of Egypt succeed. They can come and they can live and I can make a great nation out of your people and start in Egypt and then deliver them powerfully. That would be something that would be beyond Joseph's understanding. But the bigger picture was that Joseph being thrown into the well out of the jealousy of his brothers was actually a good thing. God was going to use it for good. Joseph being thrown into prison and interpreting the dream of the other person in prison was a good thing because it led him to the places that God wanted to lead him to. But he couldn't know that. He didn't know that. And God doesn't want to explain to us what he's doing all the time. He wants us to live by faith and he wants us to trust him. And trusting Him requires us to be flexible. And we can't be so dogmatic about going one direction that when God says, no, I actually want you to go this way, that we can't go. Because then we miss the bigger picture and the more beautiful picture of what God's doing. And it is a beautiful picture. It's just beyond our comprehension. You know, in hindsight, everything that I've been through in my life has led me to this moment where I'm talking to you. I'm sharing to you of things I've actually experienced of things that God has downloaded into my spirit over the years. But I remember when I was younger, I was very good mechanically and in building things, I thought, well, I'll go into robotics. And so I went to college and I started studying electrical engineering so that I could build robots. Hmm. And then I started going to a Bible study and I really felt led of the spirit to go to Bible college. And so there's a major break in my direction right there. I switched from engineering to theological studies much to the chagrin of my mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. And so I assumed that because I was going to Bible college and I wanted to dedicate my whole life to God, that I should be a minister. So that's what I did for the next four or five years. I studied to be a minister with the goal of being an ordained minister from that denomination and to go out to preach the gospel. Well, four credits from graduating from that school, God led me into the tabernacle experience, which put me on the opposite side of the Bible college and the pastor, and they kicked me out. And so I felt then that God wanted me to go work. So I created a couple businesses and I worked for the next 10 years. And I worked, worked, worked thinking, well, okay, God wants me to be wealthy. (laughs) So I had my little yacht picked out, my Rolex watch, my summer vacation house and I carried it around in a booklet with me everywhere I went because, of course, God said work, so I must be wealthy. (laughs) Then God one day says, I want you to pack everything you own up and I want you to go on the road. So I just gotten a lot of money from what I was doing in my business. So I just bought a motorhome and trailers and stuff and left. Then I just went around the United States and God started talking to me about, you know, how he's going to do this, that and the other. And I thought... Oh, God wants me to be a prophet. So I end up in Waco, and indeed, everybody thinks I'm a prophet. And everything's going good. People are listening to me. The doors are opening to me. And then God says, I want you to say this to them. I said, really? And so I said that to them. And they all turned against me. Every last one of them. And so now I'm in the middle of nowhere. Everybody turns against me. Both my businesses... We're going bankrupt, and I'd lost everything. So I went back to my parents' place, 
in disgrace, everybody said, well, you got what you should have got. And I was living in the back seven acres of my parents' place for the next seven years. And in the middle of the seven years, I got in a really bad auto accident. Not my fault, but mm-hmm. really messed me up. And so I lost everything. I sold everything I had. I was living in a uh, old construction shack. My defeat was complete. <laughs> and everybody took a odd satisfaction that I was suffering so much. And so I didn't know what to do, but I still believe in God. I, I still sang to the Lord, you know, walking through the forest and still prayed. And God was still downloading revelation to me. Mm. And I was still hearing God. And over the next three years, I went to every doctor known to man, tests, everything. And um, I got a settlement from the company that hit me. And so God says, I want you to move down to Roundtown. Okay. Now, the best thing to do right then is just to take that seven acres, build a house on it, and live there. And Mm -hmm. No, I came down the Roundtown. And as I was buying my house here, God said, I want you to go to Africa. (sighs) So I went to Africa, and my house literally closed when I was in the bush of Africa. And for the next 10 years, I just did whatever God wanted me to do. And then I came back. And now I'm here doing this. Mm. For the last 10 years, I've written. Yeah. I hated writing when I was in grade school and in college. I, last thing I ever wanted to do. i just been writing. First, I wrote The Final Feast. Now I'm writing Seraph Hunter. Point is that I had to be flexible. You know, all that led here. Yeah. All that led me to understand the will of God and the plan of God in tabernacles enough that I can talk to you. But it was not a straight line Mm-mm. from A to B. It was this really crazy zigzag path that you never would think would ever lead here. And I had to be flexible. When God told me to prepare to go around the United States, I had to say yes. That was a fundamental part of Mm -hmm. God teaching me to be led by the Holy Spirit. And to everybody around me, it seemed completely crazy. I was a successful businessman. Everybody thought I could do no wrong. And the weird thing about it is that About three or four months earlier, God had told me by his spirit that there was a storm coming and we made our money on storms. And he told me what to do and I did it. And the next day, we had so much business for the next three months, I made a ton of money and that provided the money for me to go around the United States. You think, well, God gave you a lot of money, you should buy more equipment, you should reinvest it into the business, you know? No, go buy a motorhome and this, that, and the other and take off on the road. This is what we're talking about, flexibility. Don't count it strange if your life looks weird to other people when you're following the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because the plan of God is so big, you're going to do things that don't make any sense to the natural mind. And people around you are saying, you are freaking crazy. The truth is, you're being led by a higher power that has such an awesomely large plan that you cannot see the end and the beginning of it. You're somewhere in the middle of something so big that the turn that God makes you go to, if you'll listen to him, is in subservience to that plan, but it doesn't make any sense in the the short-term natural. Because you can't see the whole plan. Exactly. And so you need to remain flexible. You know, Jesus said it perfectly, take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient are the troubles of today. God is leading you today. He's telling you what to do this very moment. And that is enough. Because when it comes to the next moment that he has to lead you, 
he'll talk to you then. And that's the key. You know, God is very definite in his word that he wants us to focus on the present moment. We are created as individuals to live in the present moment. We can't live in the past and we can't live in the future. The truth is there is no future. When the future gets here, it becomes the present. The truth is when we dwell on the past, we're taking the good or bad things in the past and we're living in them. But God gives us the grace and everything that we need to be in the present moment. Did you know that the presence of God is available to us only in the present moment? Amen. We can't relive the past. We can remember sometime we had with God where we had experience in the past and we felt his presence, but we can't relive that exact presence of God. And when we think of the future, whether we're excited or fearful, we are thinking about it without the presence of God because God is not in the future. God is only in the present moment because that's really all there is. So when Jesus says, like you said, don't take any thought for tomorrow, we're supposed to focus on the present moment. I would say probably 99% of our stress and anxiety and negative emotions come from either dwelling on the past or being fearful about the future. Right. Because if you're thinking about this moment right now, what is really wrong? Well, it's what's not that bad. What's wrong is that my house is going to be foreclosed on. No, this moment right now. You're wherever you are, doing what you're doing, listening to this podcast, what is wrong right now? If you don't think about the future and you don't think about the past, what is wrong right now? There might be something. You might be sick. You might be sitting next to somebody in a hospital who's ill. But most of the time, this present moment is okay. Not only that, this present moment is where God is. And if we are not focused on this present moment, we miss what God wants us to do. If I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking about where I'm going and what I'm going to do when I get there and what I got to do tomorrow, and yeah, I probably should stop at the store and pick this up. I forgot about that. And then if God says, I want you to go right, go down this road and talk to this person that's standing on the street, we would miss it because we're not thinking about the present moment. We're thinking about the future. We are a small part of a big picture. And the way that we receive our satisfaction and our joy and we really follow what the will of God is for our lives is we focus on what's going on now, feel the presence of God in this moment, and listen to what he's saying. He may just bless your day and everything that you go about, stopping at the store, going to work, going home, fixing dinner, everything you're doing may be perfectly in line with his will for that day. But being in the present moment will confirm that. And not only that, when you're focused on the present, you're sitting in the very spot where God dwells in you. Right now, in this moment, He is in you, and that's where you're going to connect to Him the most deeply, and you're going to get your satisfaction and your joy. You can spend an entire day worrying about something that's going to happen that evening, and you waste the entire day when you could be focused on just the presence of God in this moment and how He wants me to move. It's an amazing thing to be a part of the bigger picture, but if you're in a blue background on a tapestry and all of a sudden God wants you to become a red thread, all the blue threads are going to look at you and say, what are you doing? We are a blue thread community. Why are you red? That makes no sense whatsoever. It's ridiculous. Get back over here and be blue like the rest of us. But you don't understand that when you step back, that God is putting a picture of a beautiful rose against a background of a blue sky. And you're the first thread of that red rose. It's going to make this beautiful picture. The blue sky threads around you don't understand, but if you look at the big picture, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to really just be in the moment. The book of James tells us that we make our plans and say, well, tomorrow we'll go here and do business and this and this. What we should be saying is, if God wills. And if God wills is yielded to God moment by moment. We can make our plans. We can go in a direction that seems right to us, that we think God is leading us in. But in every moment, if our 
heart and our mind, our spirit is focused on him and sitting with him in the present moment, he has the ability to take us and lead us exactly where he wants us to go if we will be flexible. Flexibility is key. And we need to be flexible because the future is not set. Christians have this notion that the future is an unalterable plan that God has made and that everything is just going to march towards that in lockstep according to his plan. Christians think that God knows the future because God has gone ahead of us and is standing in the future telling us what it is. But really, what God is doing is telling the future that he intends to create. Mm. That's why when we're going towards that future, that future, though it will happen, it is not determined how it will happen. This is why when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they didn't enter into the promised land right away because of their unbelief. They took an extra 40 years in the wilderness till a new generation came up that would enter into the promised land. That is why God, when he got mad at Israel, told Moses, let me alone, I'm going to destroy them and I'll make another nation greater than them out of you. And Moses prayed for 40 days and asked God not to do it and he relented. Now, God is going to have a people in the promised land. Exactly. But how he gets there and who, and who gets there <laughs> is up for grabs. Yeah. It's according to faith. It's according to your desire to do his will. When God offered the kingdom to different successive people in the northern ten tribes, he was absolutely serious every time he did it. But when those people sinned, he destroyed them and he offered it to another. Hmm. Why? Because he wanted a certain thing to happen. But if people won't cooperate, he goes a different direction. So what you have happening in your own daily life, when God asks you to do something, it is dependent upon the circumstances and the people at that time. Oh, good point. It's dependent upon your willingness to obey God when he wants it to be done. Now, if for some reason you don't obey God when he wants it done, or the other people that are part of that equation will not obey, then he recalculates and he goes a different direction. Mm. That is why it's dangerous for us to presuppose that God's going to do a certain thing because his certain thing that he's doing will happen, but the manner and the way that he gets there will change subject to the changing circumstances, the changing faith, the changing will of the people. The will of the people, the free will. So that's how God does the future. He knows the future because the future is going to end up like he wants it. But how he gets there is really, really open to a lot of different mm -hmm. factors because of him dealing with free will in mankind. That's right. And he delights to allow us to have free will. And our free will and our choices may change some of the specifics of how things are done, but it doesn't change his overall purpose. He's sovereign overall, but he doesn't control us. It's like him playing chess against us. He's the master chess player, and he's going to win the game, no doubt. But he lets us play, and he lets us decide if we're going to move a pawn or a bishop or a knight. And depending on what we do, he may have to alter his plan a little bit, but he's still going to win. That's just the way it goes. So we need to be flexible and understand that because God has promised us something, even though the scripture is clear that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, meaning the gifts of the calling of God won't be taken back. He will continually offer us the gifts and the calling. They will be available to us 
until the end of time because he doesn't take that back. But if we choose not to take those gifts and that calling and walk in them, he'll just offer it again to someone else and allow them to move through it. You know, Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel and many other nations, actually. But he was not the originally chosen one. His father, Terah, was told to go to Canaan. And Terah took Abraham and Sarah and his other family and started to go to Canaan and stopped in Haran. And because Abraham was honoring his father, he stopped there and waited. After Terah died, Abraham took up the cause and went to Canaan. Now, if Terah had walked in and accepted fully the gifts and the calling of God, we'd be singing, Father Terah had many sons, because that would be the person that God would have flowed through. But because he stopped and decided of his own free will, no, I don't want to go to Canaan, I'm going to stop here, that didn't thwart God's plan. God says, okay, fine, I'll do it through Abraham. And we have a choice in that, how flexible we are influences how much we are blessed. Exactly. Not blessed in necessarily a material way, although that's part of it, but blessed in fulfilling the full potential of what we're called to be. Abraham was a very, very blessed man who believed God, and he had tremendous faith. And because he trusted God when he didn't understand, and he went to a land that he didn't know, and he did ridiculous things in the sight of the world because God told him to do it, God blessed him immensely. And he is probably the most honored man throughout history for his faith. Yes. And he had a choice of whether he was going to do all those things or not. Just like us, we have a choice. If we really would feel safer and more comfortable in our little life that we know what we can expect, we know from day to day to day and month to month and year to year, we've got our whole life planned out and we want to stick to that plan, God will let us and we may be okay and we may have some satisfaction. But if you want to be the fullest of what God wants you to be and you want to be a part of this amazing tapestry that he's creating and really feel what it feels like to be in the favor of God and have the blessings of God and hear the voice of God and and just walk in all the beautiful things that he has for you, we have to be flexible. Because like you said in your story of your life, every season was drastically different than the season before and (laughs) drastically different than the season to come. That's the way God tends to move, if we will let him. And for some of you, if you're completely flexible in God, he may just have you stay on a steady path and continue in what you thought was going to happen. That may be his will. Yeah, that's okay. The point is to be flexible and to say, God, I am yours. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live this moment for you? Make your plans. But if God says, yeah, you thought you were going to college, but I don't want you to go to college. I want you to do this instead. Or you thought you were going to be a missionary, but instead I want you to start this company and be a wealthy CEO so that you can direct people on how to do things yeah, according to me. Yeah, to figure out what's going to happen. Exactly. Just live in the moment. And when God says, do this, then don't fight him. Don't argue. Just say, okay, I'm your servant, God. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And whether we understand or not really has no bearing on it. In the end, God said, Behold, I make all things new. And the tabernacle of God is now with men. So what does that really mean? Well, it means God's doing something. It has an end point. God is going for a certain thing, and he said it is finished. So what is finished? Well, what is finished is the redemption of mankind. What is finished is that he has created a new heavens, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What it means is that the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven to dwell with man. It's going to be his city with his people. And that means there was an old Jerusalem that went up into heaven. And what actually happened is the old Jerusalem used to sit on the sides of the north in a mountain in northern Eden. 
And the city of God was with men in the beginning. And he planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he created mankind. And eventually mankind was going to go out of the garden up into the mountain of God and become one with him. But that process was interrupted through sin, and man was kicked out of the garden of Eden. And because sin had entered into the world, God left. And he left with the city, and he left with the tree of life. That's why you see the tree of life at the gates of the Mm -hmm. new Jerusalem. And until sin was taken care of, until mankind was redeemed, he wasn't coming back. But now, because it is finished, it's time for him to come back. It's time for his tabernacle, Mm. his presence to be with men again. And this is what God is doing. I mean, you are part of a cosmically large plan that you don't know hardly anything about. I don't know hardly anything about. That's why it is by faith, because Mm. he couldn't even possibly begin to understand or to explain to you what's really going on. But we know, because he has promised us that whosoever believe in his son, Jesus Christ, shall not see death, but have everlasting life, that if we believe him and if we listen to him and do his will, that we will end up in the new creation that we will be changed in the moment of a twinkling in an eye, receive glorified bodies worthy to live in a perfect place again. And God will be our God and we shall be his people. We will be pillars in the temple of our God. He will give us a new name. We will know him as we are known. We will complete what Adam failed to do and we will complete it by faith, not by sight, not by knowledge, Not by knowing the end from the beginning, but by knowing who is our creator and simply listening to his voice. The reason that God has a problem with natural-minded people is it's the natural mind that tempted Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit, Mm -hmm. that desire to know. That's what went wrong. And that has really bothered him ever since. And he's not going to give us access to the tree of life until we reject the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, that's good. The two are mutually exclusive. You can't have one and the other at the same time. You either choose life or you choose death. And that's what's going on in your personal life right now. You are choosing whether to believe or whether to walk what what seems right to your natural mind. You're choosing whether to eat of the tree of life or to dine on death through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is what determines your future. You know, people have all kinds of opportunities in their life to know Jesus. They have all kinds of opportunities to have somebody tell them about the wonderful things of God. But a lot of times we're too bound up in our own hurt, our own strife, our own problems to listen. I remember this one lady in India She's a tabernacle Christian in the middle of India. And this lady comes to her at night having this amazingly horrible panic attack. Mm -hmm. And she thinks she's having a coronary when she's just like having a panic attack. And Mm -hmm. it was awful, she said. But there was Jesus sitting in this lady, holding this other lady, telling her it was going to be okay, and counseling her and being there for her. Now, the lady is not a Christian, but that night she met Jesus. Hmm. And that's what you are. Yeah. You are a representation of Christ to those in need in this world. 
And you don't have to go around saying the four spiritual laws to everyone you meet. All you have to do is do what God wants you to do in the moment. Give a word in the moment. Hug in the moment. Kiss in the moment. If God wants you to share four spiritual laws in the moment, Mm -hmm. if you are led by the Holy Spirit to do that, then by all means do that. But not according to your natural mind. That's the whole problem. It's us thinking instead of God doing. And God is trying to encourage you to lay aside the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and just dine on his revelation. Just dine on his presence. Let him renew you so that you can actually be something and someone who is beneficial to both yourself and to those around you. You know, it says in Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the apple, God said, well, now they will be like us, knowing good from evil. Well, why was that a big deal? Because God and those who are eternal in the heavenly realm have the capacity to know good and evil in the way that they can truly understand it, the way that it is, they see the big picture. Humanity was not created to know the concepts of good and evil. What was man created to know? Man was created to know God. It even says that in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. If anyone boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows me, the Lord. Knowing God is what we were created to do, and it was all we needed to know, because anything that Adam and Eve needed to know about life in the garden, God was going to tell them, and God did tell them. And there was a lot of freedom. God allowed Adam to name the animals. God didn't have a specific name for each one. He wanted Adam to do that. It delights God to give us free will and to give us freedom in his domain to do the wonderful things that he has for us. But he didn't intend for Adam and Eve to understand how evil was going to affect the world or how good worked compared to evil. There's things about good and evil that are way beyond humans' understanding. We're not created to understand that what we're created, we're equipped to know God. That is what we were created to do, and that's what we are supposed to do. So understanding that trying to figure stuff out by our natural minds is only going to lead us down a path that is different from God, that is actually in enmity with God. Right. Yielded to his spirit, being flexible to him, and being guided by the knowledge of God, by our spirits being connected to God, is going to lead us down sometimes a very different path. And and you will be surprised a lot of times when God leads you in something that your natural mind fights against. But the more flexible you are, the more you find that the peace and the joy and the love that rises up in your spirit as you yield to the Holy Spirit and do what he wants you to do, eventually it just kind of overwhelms your natural-minded thinking until your natural-minded thinking says, ah, whatever, we're just going to go with God. Then you learn. That's how you learn. You become knowledgeable of God as you know him, and then your brain will start to get in sync with the Spirit of God that is in you and can truly start to interpret and allow our bodies to do what we need to do in response to the spirit that is in us. That's the knowledge that we need to have. And the truth will set you free, not because it makes sense to your natural mind, but Mm -hmm. because it's the truth. It's the way things really are. These are things that the natural man cannot know. You only know them through revelation. And this is what I'm talking about. You have to remain flexible in your outlook in life, flexible in your doctrine, flexible in every area so that God can speak to you. This is what you are called to. It's more magnificent. It's deeper than we could possibly imagine. Flesh and blood does not teach us these things. It's only God who speaks them into our hearts and minds and souls and spirits. Our intellect never comes to these conclusions. 
in fact, we're ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth because the knowledge of the truth can only be given by God. And that's only through revelation. And we need to remain flexible in our heart and mind so that we can receive the things of his spirit, the deep things that he wants to share of his heart so that we can come one with him as a woman becomes one with a man. It's not just a physical act. It is a spiritual union. It is a soul tie that you become one with your man. Care about what he cares about. You want to serve him in any way you can. You just want to be with him. You want to be around him. You want to support him. This is what we're becoming to God. Our destiny is greater than we can imagine. God says that it's never been told what I'm really going to do. And if I ever told you, you wouldn't even believe it. Yeah, you couldn't even imagine. And this is a great thing. You know, you may look at your life and say, well, I've got this problem, i got this problem, i got this problem. Hey, I want to tell you it all works out in the end. It really does. And the way it works out is that you listen to God and you do what he wants when he wants to do it with whomever he wants to do it with. And in that way, you remain flexible. You may think you're going to do something else tomorrow, but you may do something completely different as led by a spirit. And that completely different will be actually the will of God. And it won't look like it's leading anywhere, but two or three days from there, you'll see, wow, I'm really glad I did that. We are all in the same boat together. I'm talking to you as God speaks. And it's nothing more than that. And it's nothing overblown and aggrandizing or anything like that it's the way we were made to be yeah i'm just talking to you as god speaks and that's what we were purposed to do every one of us can do this every one of us should do this this is how god manifests in our flesh Mm -hmm. it doesn't take wealth it doesn't take power it doesn't take position it doesn't take gender it doesn't take age it doesn't take a certain location All it does is take you yielding to the Holy Spirit and speaking as the Holy Spirit wants you to speak. And in that, God is revealed and people are blessed. Yeah. So this afternoon, as you go out, you can say, okay, Lord, I'm available. What do you want me to do? And I guarantee you, he will lead you. He'll goad you to say a certain thing. He'll lead you to go a certain place. You may not understand it, but he will lead you. This is what you're created to do. And this is what it means to be flexible in God. That's right. And it's a wonderful, wonderful walk. We think that by controlling our own lives, there we have peace, and there we'll make sure that it's going to work out good. But the way to make sure that you have peace and joy and success, and that you really become the fullness of what God wants you to be, and that you really have a life that you really were meant to live, is to be completely flexible to not have a preconceived notion. You can have a plan. You can have the understanding that God gives you about what he wants to do. But when you are sure he's going north and you start heading that way and he says, wait, turn west, be flexible and go west and understand that if your destination is north, he's going to have you get there. You just have to take a detour through the west, which might be a beautiful path through a wonderful forest. Or it may be a difficult storm, which will propel you where you need to be so that you can end up in your ultimate destination. Trust God. He loves you. He has good things for you. He is a good God, a loving Father. And when you are flexible and let Him flow through you and guide you, it's a wonderful, amazing life that's full of peace and joy and and satisfaction. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to the end of yet another God's Love Club. We appreciate your time and your patience and that you've listened and tried to hear the Spirit of God. We are manifestations of God. 
just like you. And we're just giving what we feel to say at the time we say it to you. Take that which you find good and hold fast to it. The other things that doesn't make sense to you, don't worry about. Mm -hmm. You know, God's Love Club is a smorgasbord. You know, Mm -hmm. some people like spare ribs. Some people like goulash. Some people like pie. (laughs) (laughs) I like pie. Chocolate pie. Mm. Mm, Sounds good. Chocolate pie. (laughs) Amen. So you have a great week. A great seven days is ahead of you. Listen to God, do his will, and see what happens. That's right. But first, a word from our sponsor. Ooh. Christ Church of the Superficial. You gotta see us pray. Christ Church of the Superficial. Come be your number today. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for friends, the righteous reverend. How are you? I am the Righteous Reverend, and I am here to tell you that it is an amazing thing what God will do when you are a word man. I have been a word man for years and years and years. In fact, I study the word 24-7. It's amazing I get any sleep. I just like saying the word word. I say word, 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 and I bless my socks off. It is an amazing thing. For instance, I am proud to announce that today we have finished our soccer stadium. Now, people were saying I was crazy, saying I was nuts. But no, I said, we have a football stadium and a baseball stadium. Why not a soccer stadium? We're just completing the triumvirate of our sports centers. We're becoming a self-sufficient community complete with entertainment slash God. All we've done is just simply combine it into one package. And you can get season tickets at www.therachetsreverend.baseball.com. And as an added bonus, the Ratchets will be doing their dance routine at the opening ceremony next week on Sunday afternoon. This has been Ratchet's Moment with the Ratchet's Reverend. Be blessed. Well, that was a righteous moment. It, it, it was a moment. Thank you for listening to us this week. You have a pleasant day, and we love you, and we bless you, and just let God lead and guide you. That's mm-hmm. what we want to have happen. Right. In Jesus' name, amen. Bye-bye. Bye. Righteous Reverend's going to get struck by lightning. Now, I have a lightning pole that's up on top of the house here, and whenever it strikes, it just goes right into the ground and just bypasses me altogether. Does that happen often? <laughs> More than you think.